0: Hello everybody, this is Jason from the Jason and Cole, a father-son thing podcast. Hey, if you're like me and Cole, when we're getting started with the podcast, we had a lot of questions like, how do you even record a podcast? How do you get it published to different sites that people go to listen to podcasts like Spotify, Apple, and Google Play? Well, it's very simple. The answer to all of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's hundred percent free and very easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and making money, go to Anchor.fm/start. That's Anchor.fm/start to join me and the diverse community of podcasts. Is already using Anchor. I can't wait to hear your podcast. So get started. Now back to the show. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Jason and Cole Father Son Thing Podcast, Talking Everything Mets. I'm your host, Jason. I'm here with... Me, Cole. Me, Hello. me Cole. Hello. Before we get started on today's episode, we want to thank all of our listeners who have listened over the last week before we started uh, last week's episode we had we were about four or five away from reaching 500 and after we publish this episode um, we're gonna reach over 800 um, after about 10 listens so want to thank everybody who went and listened to you know last week's episode and a ton of people went back and listened to old episodes we've done and uh, hopefully you've seen some progression there and us getting better but a big thank you to everybody again our listeners and if you are listening we would love for you to go to our Facebook page Jason and Cole Father Something Podcast drop a comment give us um, some critique let us know how we're doing things you want to discuss about the Mets or about anything and just let us know that you're listening. We would uh, greatly appreciate it. All right. So, what's what's the first thing we're going to talk about? You know, it's spring spring training's on its way. It's kind of slow major league baseball. But um a few few topics that we got that we're going to discuss and what's the first one, Cole?
1: Sandy Alderson's impact on the
0: Mets. All right. So, Sandy Alderson's impact on the Mets. This is something that's come up over the last week that I've seen that I felt that we could touch on a little bit and something where you'll learn a little bit, because I don't know how much you follow the GMs and what they do and, and their impact. But the question has been brought up, how is Sandy Alderson going to be remembered as a Mets GM? And the jury's still out on that. You know, um, Brody came in this year and he he jumped right in the, got out of the trade, one of his first moves he did, and, you know, signed some relief pitchers and um, some infield players and Keon Broxton in the outfield. and He made some moves signing free agents, but a GM's role is over the course of years, and a lot of it has to do with the draft and the players that they draft. So when you look back over Sandy Alderson, you know, you look at players like... Um, Nemo and McNeil, and I believe Conforto and Alonzo coming up this year. And you look at players like that, and you think, okay, well, six, seven years from now, if these guys, you know, the Mets win a World Series, and you know, if you just use those players—McNeil, Conforto, Alonzo—if um, they're a huge impact on the team you know, Sandy Alderson's got to get some of that credit. But at the same time, let's say the Mets win a World Series this year, you know, a lot of that credit's got to be given to Omar Minaya for signing a Jacob deGrom, Syndergaard. You know, so a lot of what GMs do is not only in the free agent market, but it's how they draft and how, you know, the prospects, Rosario, you know, that would be another one under... Uh, Sandy Alderson so a lot of that is important and then you look at Brody came in and the first thing he did was give away some prospects to bring in Cano and Diaz and you know if we win now it looks like a great move you know but to me um Sandy Alderson came into the organization at a time where financially, we talked about before, financially the team was hurting. He came in and kind of used analytics and kind of changed how we did things a little bit. And he drafted really well, so I give him that. But one thing that I want to point out is the player he didn't sign. And he came out this weekend admitted one of his biggest mistakes that he, that he regrets not getting done is signing a certain player.
1: A.J. Pollock.
0: No, oh. that, that's Brody this year. Oh. But if you remember a couple of years ago, we used to have a second baseman on the team.
1: Oh, Daniel
0: Murphy. He didn't, sign, he didn't re-sign Daniel Murphy. And, and if you look at, I don't remember the exact stat, the numbers of it, but Daniel Murphy went for a reasonable contract to our rival, the Nationals, and he just killed us. You know, and then he went to the Cubs last year, and anytime he got a chance against the Mets, he's just killed us. And that's something Sandy Alderson admitted that he regrets not getting done, especially since Daniel Murphy wanted to be a Met. And um, so you got to weigh in that that move. You know, what if Daniel Murphy was on the team? You know, Daniel Murphy could have slid over to third base um, even this year with Cano coming over. And, you know, so... Even one bigger than that, a Sandy Alderson move was, I don't remember if he released them or designated them to the minors and he was able to get picked up by another team. But whatever the case may be, under Sandy Alderson, another player that played some second base and third base that's been in the National League for years, its tremendous ball player. Can you name that player? Uh Played for the Dodgers. Curtis Anderson.
1: Yeah. I mean Curtis Anderson. No.
0: Nope. Played second base um. for the Mets.
1: Oh, Dilson Herrera. No. Nope.
0: Oh. Good. Good guess though. Uh. Kind of had a big beard or big puffy hair. May. Well,
1: why, why can't I think of it? Oh. Uh,
0: his uh, his initials start with a J and the last name with a T. All right.
1: Oh, Justin Tucker.
0: Justin Turner. Justin- oh,
1: Justin Turner. What the? Heck? That's good.
0: Good game. I mean, that that was good. Yes, Justin Turner. That fell under Sandy Alderson. And if you look, is a very good possibility that Justin Turner and Daniel Murphy, since Daniel Murphy is at Coors Field this year, could be battling for the NL batting title. Wait,
1: Daniel so, Murphy's
0: on the Rockies. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, those are two players there that were under Sandy Alderson regime that we let get away that were great ball players, And so, in short, to answer the question of Sandy Alderson, it's over. That's how I kind of look at it with the GM. Yeah. Once he was a he, good GM. But... He was a good GM. He did some good things, but, um, you know, he made good draft picks, but at the same time, he... And, and you're going to have that. you know. Brody's going to do the same thing. So he's going to make some good moves and he's going to make some bad moves. And at the end of the day, Brody's our GM and Sandy isn't. So as far as Sandy's tenure at the Mets, he got us to a World Series. The Mets were struggling financially when he came in. He got us to a World Series and then we started to decline. So he's gone. Brody's here. Brody's the man. Getting things done. So we'll see what happens. What's the next topic that we got?
1: The next topic is the next topic is it is
0: pulling up your notes, huh?
1: Topic two: free agency and the cha- and the change in signing high-priced free agents.
0: All right. So, when you think of the highest-paid baseball players, who do you think of?
1: Highest-paid baseball players. I think of. In Bryce all. Harper, uh, probably Daniel Murphy, uh, Manny Machado. The best players in the league is who I think of. Um, Stanton. Because they are the best players. Yeah. Don't, I mean, what is Stanton, Stanton Judge.
0: Stanton Judge, or, you know, when Judge becomes a free agent, but Stanton just went over to the Yankees for a ridiculous contract. And you name two players that aren't even signed, and it's almost spring training Machado and Harper. Yeah, and what's happening in baseball is baseball teams are looking at it and going, I don't want to pay, you know, a hundred and ninety million dollars for eight years or two hundred and twenty million dollars for ten years to a baseball player when, like I said on the last podcast about not signing Pollock. Like you can't tell me that signing Pollock on a seven-year deal or a well, six-year deal that he wants is going to be better than McNeil playing out there, give us better numbers. And then if you look at the cost of that, like if you had McNeil playing out there for, you know, his salary is low because he's a you know a young player, um, and then you're able to use extra money to get relief in the bullpen and. And they use that money more wisely it makes sense. I'm tired of signing players and you could go back over the years and we'll just use the Mets for example right now everybody's waiting for Cespedes to come back. Oh I hope Cespedes can come back by the All-Star break well we signed them for a big contract years ago and what happens when we sign up? people they get hurt, they pull in hamstring, their fingernail hurts, they on a guaranteed contract and who ends up suffering? the Mets and the fans and the oh. Mets right so baseball is looking at it and going wait a second do we need to sign these players for max deals and long contracts or
1: amount
0: of money yeah or should we just sit back and look to sign somebody on a one year contract to I to me I'm not I don't, I'm three years max yeah three years you ain't worth it I don't know what you're gonna do you know, but I got to guarantee, I got to pay you if, you know, it's just look at David Wright, David Wright's captain great to the organization Um, still in the organization you know, he's our captain but how much did he give us on the back end? You know, Cano, you think Cano, well I don't know how many years he's got left, he had a horrible contract with the Mariners, that's why the Mariners wanted to get rid of him now we got it, you know is he going to give us what he's worth three years from now no so we're gonna end up eating that contract I'm tired of eating contracts if I'm a baseball owner or a front office person no and I've seen reports where the baseball players are now saying and you know, talking about possibly a strike and well if you're not gonna sign us to max deals and we're gonna reduce our playing time or whatever the Mets got this situation with DeGrom You know, they got to get DeGrom re-signed or DeGrom could look at the Mets and go, all right, since we didn't get a contract done, I need to reduce my innings. So, you know, I'm healthy when it comes contract time. And that's wrong. You know, they they make too much money. I don't want to hear them complaining about... You know, well, you know the markets fall. Well, markets fall. Guess what? House market falls. The stock market falls. Players' contracts fall. If we could figure out that we could get it done with lesser people, or you know, platooning somebody, then that's what we do. What you got to say about that? It looked like you got something you want to say.
1: Uh, it was actually about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Uh-huh. It was Bryce Harper talking. Bryce Harper talked with the Giants a couple of days ago, and the Giants are thinking about uh, signing a contract.
0: Did they say what kind of numbers they were talking about?
1: No. It just said that the uh, Giants were thinking about making a deal.
0: Yeah, I Bryce mean Harper. there's uh, some really M- Moustakis or something like that.
1: Moustakis, Mike Moustakis from the
0: Royals. Yeah, I don't think he signed yet. You got some good players out there. I mean top-notch players that haven't signed yet because baseball teams are looking at it and going, you're not worth it, Bryce Harper. You're not worth it. You, know, you want us to give you $200 million for what? What's our return? You know, it, it's just not, it's about time. Like the Stanton deal, like, it, all Met fans wanted Stanton. I mean, we wanted Stanton, come on. But really, when you look at how much money that guy is being paid, and how often he gets injured—it's not worth the money. Um, only person I would pay any kind of money to is, is starting pitching. You know, other than our big-time home run hitter. But you got to be able to do other things. You know, signing somebody for a long-term deal—they lock up their two hundred million—and then decide, oh, uh, you know, I'm not feeling great. Uh, my legs hurt a little bit. Nah. I'm not with it. I think you need to prove uh, your worth, and we'll sign you for a short-term deal, and make you play it out because you always know you got another contract coming. And maybe we see that with uh, Machado and Harper. I mean, you know, maybe they end up signing one-year deals just to reevaluate, retest the market again next year. But um, it's gotten a little out of control over the years now. One argument is, well, if the baseball owners pay it, they obviously can afford it, you know, so why shouldn't the players make it? But at the same time, you know, those those things need to be passed back down to fans um, and where it's affordable to go for, like, we have a family of six, like, you know, to go to a ball game, a family of six, parking, six tickets, you know, your kids are always going to want something from the concession stand, like, you know, it's not the way it used to be, so if the contracts come down, hopefully the prices come down for fans a little bit, too. Now, most ballparks have deals where you can get, you know, like the Rays. You can go and sit in the outfield on certain nights and get a 3 $5 ticket, but, you know, they only got 10,000 people at their games, so they're trying to get people in the seats. so it's a different market when you can try to compare it to New York, but... Um, do you think that baseball players are worth that much money?
1: Uh, not really. Like, like you said, they could get injured and like, if they don't play their best, then that's just wasted money on your team. when you could have got someone better who's healthy and ready to play. Mm-hmm. Unlike Bryce Harper.
0: So the, and other players, there's some news out there about, um, possible rule changes. And uh, one of them I want to ask your opinion on is the DH in the National League. What is your feelings about the DH coming over to the National League?
1: Well, I forgot the rule. So,
0: can so you say the
1: rule?
0: designated hitters only in the American League. National League, the batter or the pitcher hits. So, unless there's a National League team playing an American League team in an American League ballpark, then they use the American League rules, which they use the DH. If it's in the National League ballpark, the pitcher's got to hit. So they're discussing having the DH across the board. So that would mean the Mets would have a DH instead of a pitcher hitting. So do you think they should implement the DH in the National League as well like they have it in the American League?
1: Honestly, yeah, I think they should because it's kind of unfair because the American League gets to use designated hitters, but the National League doesn't. That's not very fair to the National League.
0: I agree. Um, You know, numbers are pitching in the American League is a lot harder than pitching in the National League because you got an extra hitter in the lineup. Um, A lot of teams, the number eight hitter is kind of a weaker hitter anyway. So you got two outs down towards the bottom of the lineup that you can kind of maneuver through. So if you look at the Mets, you know, uh, for this year, if they had the DH. You got a player like McNeil who's getting at-bats and now he's in the lineup every day. Um, As Cano gets older, you got a spot for Cano to DH or give days off and he just DH. If Alonzo um, has fielding problems like I've heard he has defensively, then there's a spot for him with the Mets. A lot of times a player like Alonzo, if he comes up and he's a really good slugger, like we know he is in the minors, but... He struggles defensively. Then you got to trade him to the American League because American League's looking for that type of player for, to play DH. So I think it's you know the traditionalist behind it would be against it, but you know I think for the, the most fans, I think they're okay with it. Um, another rule they're talking about is if you bring in a relief pitcher, he has to face a minimum of three batters. So, and what they're trying to do, I believe, on that, just to give you a little insight, is, you know, if let's say, um, well, thinking back of the Mets, um, when the they play the Phillies, and you had Chase Utley come up, and then what was that big guy that played for Howard? Yeah, right. So, so we always had to bring in a lefty to face them in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, or whatever, or try to get them out kind of taking that away you know now they're saying if you bring in that lefty to face Howard the lefty's got to face another two batters and then you know managers could stack the lineup to where if you do have a lefty in there you got a righty right behind them who slugs left-handed pitching you know so I don't know about this they want to speed the game up I think it's part of you know they're trying to take that away from it but I mean, come on. That's that's part of baseball. Like, I mean, when you start changing rules like that, you're changing the impact a coach has on the game. And you know, do you rest your bullpen this game to be ready for the next game? So you have those matchups. You know, if you if, if it's a split series and you're trying to get the win on the next game, I it just so many. I don't know. I don't like that rule at all.
1: You don't like it? I don't. I personally think it's not a bad rule because if even though you're losing and like say on in the first the first batter that the relief pitcher takes he hits a home run, mm-hmm. three-run home run, let's say. I mean, you could still warm up your bullpen while the um pitcher is pitching. But then on the after the third batter, you can take him out and then a ready relief pitcher will come in, mm-hmm.
0: so well, you could do that anyway. I mean, you could have two guys warming up, bring the one guy in to face one batter, and then bring the other guy in a righty to face the the righties. I just don't like it because as a coach, coming from a coaching aspect of it, you're taking away my ability to have an impact on the game as a manager. You know, managers in baseball, what are they really doing? Right, you know, they set a lineup to go with analytics on this pitcher, that pitcher, who's got better numbers. That comes from the top, from the front office or the, the advanced scouting department. So the manager gets all this information. He puts a lineup together. What does he really do until sixth, seventh inning when he starts to make bullpen changes? I mean, we're gonna call a bunt. We're calling a hit and run. Like the Mets don't do much of that. So what is it I mean that's what baseball managers are there for to make those decisions And if you take if you make it to where he's got to face three batters, you're changing the whole dynamic of the situation so
1: I agree but I still think that it's a good rule to have
0: uh, you can have your opinion I mean I'm not saying I'm one hundred percent against it. I'm just saying I don't like rules that impact the game significantly when it comes to coaching decisions and I mean you want to speed up the game you know They talk about it in the NFL about speeding up the game you know and but then things with like replay like I'd rather them give extra replays in the NFL to challenge another thing to make sure you get the call right. You know I mean I've never if there's a baseball game that's going on that lost my interest that's too long, I just turn it off. I ain't going to watch it, you know, catch the highlights of it. I catch, you know, read about what happened. If I'm enjoying the ball game, that's part of it is making, you know, pitching changes. And now on the other side of it, you know, if it could benefit us too, because you can't bring in a lefty to, to face a left-handed batter. And, and then, you know, you can put a right-hander in there that can cr- crush lefties. It kind of takes that part away. So it'll benefit us the same rules it would benefit the other team but I just um, I mean I, Pop-Pop was talking about I haven't seen this but Pop-Pop was talking about the shift and people wanting to change the rule where you couldn't do the shift anymore and moving your shortstop over to the right side of the infield and for a left-handed batter that pulls the ball and you know, my thing is, if you can't hit the ball to the opposite field, you deserve to get out. You're a professional baseball player. If they're giving you the whole left side of the field, guess what? Take the inside pitch, wait for a pitch over the middle or on the outside, and hit the other way. If you can't do that, you shouldn't belong in the major leagues, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Michael Conforto. Was, I,
1: I can agree with
0: that. Yeah, Michael Conforto hit the ball wherever. And he'll hit the ball out of the park wherever. That's a professional ball hitter. Lucas Duda this is ridiculous. I mean, they gave him the left side all the time. I think I've seen him two times. I think he bunted one time. I think I've seen him hit a single, so you know where the shortstop would play one time. It's ridiculous, you know. And yeah, trade him away. Yeah. Trade
1: him away.
0: And we already did. And I mean, oh. part of that is they're pitching inside, so it, it makes it really hard to do. But you know what? Back out, back, back up in the batter's box. I mean, there's things a, a batter can do. You're a professional ball player, you know. You've got to adjust. Um, so.
1: So, one thing I want to ask you before we end the podcast mm-hmm. is, what do you think of the White Sox leaving a contract for Manny Machado on the table? What do you think of that?
0: What do you mean by leaving the contract?
1: I mean, like, they they want to sign him to the White Sox. What do you think of that?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of teams that want to. So, you're saying the White Sox made an offer? Yeah, they're leaving Turner?
1: a contract on the table. You know what that means?
0: No, explain okay. yourself.
1: Le- leaving a contract on the table means, like, they've put out a contract for him, but they they haven't taken it away yet. It's, it's still on.
0: So they've made an offer. They're just waiting yeah. to hear if he... Uh, yeah, but yeah. you don't know what the offer is?
1: Yeah,
0: No. Okay. I mean, there's probably several offers on the table for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And... You know, I'm not sure the Mets haven't made an offer to one of them. You know, we don't know how many offers are on the table that they're leaving out there. But the thing about that, what you're saying is if they've made an offer and they're just waiting on them to sign or not, they're not making a better offer. So it's kind of like take it or leave it at this point. And um, it's going to be interesting because I don't see them signing a huge deal.
1: I mean, I can see them doing that. Like, last year they lost Todd Frazier because that was a third baseman and we got him. So, I see why they would need a third baseman
0: now. Yeah. I mean, I I see why any team would want to sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. But the thing is, because they're still available, it's just proven the point that Major League Baseball teams with the advanced scouting, the analytics, they've just decided that, you know what, we don't need somebody – and pay' him that much money over that many years anymore because it's not working out in our favor, you know, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. I've seen the the trailers headed left the uh, city field heading down to Florida with all the equipment and everything. Mm-hmm. I've been catching clips of Syndergaard and Matts throwing off the bullpen, yeah, I saw that. so spring training is near. we're working on getting our press credentials so we can find a weekend we don't have soccer <laughs> which i don't know if that's gonna happen or not but we're gonna try to work it out but um so we can get down to poor saint Lucie and catch a game worst case scenario we'll definitely try to catch him in lakeland even if i got to check you out of school um we'll do that but uh got anything else you want to say before we wrap this episode up again thank you to our listeners thank you to our new listeners Keep listening. Subscribe so you get the notification. Uh, so you're good? We can't
1: subscribe on
0: the, That's what well, we're the No, they can subscribe on Spotify, on uh, uh, iTunes, yeah. Google Play. We're going
1: to make a YouTube channel soon,
0: though. Well, I, I think what we need to focus on is what we're doing. Yeah. Doing something right, because people are starting to listen. Yeah. And uh, I've been working Twitter a little bit, trying to hashtag and... Get our podcast in front of Mets fans, so I think that's helping a little bit. But like I said, it's a slow, slow week. We just wanted to come on here and and uh, give you a short little episode. And the one thing that's great about podcasts, Cole, is it gives. Now talk about getting our press credentials. And I was reading an article about you know whether podcasters deserve to have press credentials and. Podcasts give the normal fan a voice, you know? So many times we listen to these talking heads on big networks and ex-ball players that may or may not have some journalism schooling and, you know, you get to hear true Mets fans. And I want to give a shout out to Jim Brewer, a comedian. If you're a Mets fan, you should know and follow him on social media But I I looked forward, you know, the last couple years of listening to his videos after Mets games and just hearing his perspective on on the Mets. And it sounded just like our family talking about the Mets. So it's kind of the inspiration to switch in directions and talk about the Mets on our podcast. So shout out to Jim Brewer. And um, we're going to come at you again next week. I thought he would be a Brewer fan. We're going to come at you next week with another episode. But if breaking news happens, like always, we'll pop on and give you the update and what's going on. But until then, this is Jason. This is Cole. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening.
1: Peace.